When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they will know you, the one only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me, and love them, even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me, where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Amen. And we thank God today for his word. A man called John Abernathy was once afraid of the direction his sons were traveling in. He thought all the comforts of the day and age that they lived in was making them soft. And so he challenged his two young sons called Temple and Lewis, just five and eight, 
to toughen up. He told them they needed to be a wee bit harder and a wee bit tougher for the world that they faced. This was 1909, after all, and the world was incredibly difficult then, uh, unlike today with all our modern stuff and all the good things that we enjoy. So Little Temple and Lewis took their dad's word at face value. They decided that they would prove to their father that they'd listened. They took this as their life's purpose, to, to toughen up. And at age five and eight, they went on a 1,300-mile trip from Oklahoma to New Mexico on horseback. They went there, and they came back, and once again, at age five and eight, to show their dad that they were indeed tougher than he thought. But it didn't end there. They decided they would go a wee bit further next time. This time, they got on their horses again and went from their home in Oklahoma over to New York City, again on horseback, but in fairness to them, when they were in New York City, they bought a car, and the elder brother drove it home to Oklahoma. By this stage, they were a wee bit older. They were six and nine. They were toughening up. And in 1911, they accepted a challenge to ride horseback from New York City to San Francisco in 60 days or less. That's about 2,500 miles. If they could do it, they would get $10,000 as prize, which in those days was mega money. Unfortunately, they only managed to do it in 62 days. But their horse riding days were over. And so in 1913, this time they bought a motorcycle. And they used that along with their stepbrother, Anton, and they journeyed again from Oklahoma to New York City. Their father's challenge to toughen up saw them taking this on board and taking this almost as their life's work, their childhood life's work, their purpose, their purpose to drive forward into fulfilling their father's promise. And friends, we start there today because as we listen to this sermon, a great many of us are probably still not sure what it is that we are here for. Sometimes we think that life is all about uh, earning enough money to feed the family, getting the house, paying the mortgage, keeping the mother-in-law sweet, doing all the things that will give us an easy life. And indeed, the other day when I was waiting for a friend in Dobies, I saw a banner up or a, a little thing, I suppose, that you can buy to stick in your kitchen, and it says, happy wife, happy life. Maybe you think that's your life's purpose. Or maybe you're just drifting along and you're not terribly sure what it's all about and you're not terribly sure where you're going to end up, but you hope for the best anyway. You cross your fingers, you touch wood, and, and maybe, hopefully, one day, perhaps, you might end up where you're supposed to be. Do you know what is a wonderful thing to read John chapter 17? And it is a passage that could be preached on from now until next Christmas and never to be repeated every week. It would be something new and something wonderful in this passage. But I want us to look at it this morning as we consider God's grace in our lives because we see its outworking and its purpose in our lives. Last time out, we spoke about how God's grace is not cheap. It cost Christ everything. And our response to that, therefore, should not be desiring Cheap grace, but a life of discipleship, a life of carrying our cross, a life of sacrifice and following Jesus every single day. And as we do that, well, here is how the Lord prays for us. This passage is called the High Priestly Prayer, where the Lord prays for us just before he leaves this earth, and he prays for our purpose in this life. I'm glad to say it is not to ride on horseback from here to New York City or anywhere else. His purpose for us is to, to live for him. Jesus prays for us knowing the world in which we are, knowing the difficulties that we will face, knowing our enemy, the devil, 
But he prays for our, his people nevertheless that we would stand firm. See, this is not a prayer for everyone. The Lord Jesus makes that clear. He prays this for those who the Father has given him. He prays this initially for his disciples there in John 17, but for every Christian in every age, for everyone who has ever called upon the name of the Lord. This is our Lord's prayer for us, our high priest Jesus. It's his prayer for us. And Jesus prays specifically for us. I'm glad to say he doesn't pray that all our hopes and dreams would come true. The Lord here in this instance doesn't pray that you will have the career and the wife and the house and the family that you've always wanted. His prayer is narrowed down and wonderfully specific and wonderfully encouraging. And it is put this way by the old commentator Matthew Henry. Christ does not pray that they might be rich and great in the world, but that they might be kept from sin, strengthened for their duty, and brought safe to heaven. Henry again, Christ does not pray that they might be rich and great in the world, but that they might be kept from sin, strengthened for their duty, and brought safe from, to heaven. Friends, here is our Lord's prayer for us, that you and I would not be men and women who go through this world afraid, men and women who are hiding under a rock somewhere, hoping that the darkness just passes us by, men and women who drift through life not knowing which way to turn or which way to go. The Christian has a purpose in this life. And the purpose given here is that we would be kept from sin. Jesus prays here that we would be protected from the evil one. Jesus prays that as we are in the world that we would be kept from the, the schemes and deceit of the devil. Jesus prays that although we are not of the world uh, and the world will be against us, that we will stand firm. He prays it. Verse 15, for example, he says, Lord, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Jesus' concern for us is not that we would go and buy a big barn and a field somewhere and we would remove ourselves from the world and the world would never get at us, but that as we are in the world and living for Christ in the world and taking our stand for Jesus in the world, that we would be protected from the evil one. Friends, here is Christ's purpose for us as his blood-bought bride, this is what Jesus desires for his church. Today, if you are in Christ, if you are someone who has looked upon Jesus and run from your sin and trusted in Christ through faith, then you are saved. You are a believer. You are a Christian. You are part of the church of God's elect. However you want to describe it, that is what you are. And here your great high priest Jesus prays for you that you will not be taken out of this world but as you stand in it, you will be kept from the evil one. Friends, is that not a desperate encouragement on a day like this? On a day at the end of this week where we have seen all sorts of schemes and plans worked out, on a day one day before tomorrow, which perhaps is going to be an incredibly dark day in the history of our wee nation, that Jesus prays, Father, look after them. Don't take them out of this world. Don't send them up a mountain where they'll be kept safe from all the schemes of the devil. They are in this world, but Lord God, keep them from the evil one. This prayer, on behalf of his bride, the church, this prayer is for you as it is for me. Friends, I run the girls to school 
every morning Jenny goes across the St. Field uh, to work over there and I take the girls up the hill although they don't want me to take them up the hill anymore uh, they get out of the car and they run because they know daddy's not fast until about half past one in the afternoon and then I have the speed of a 78 year old man with one bad knee so I go and as quickly as I can I get up the hill and I watch and I watch and I, and I make sure they're alright and they cross the wee road at the top and I always shout up after them girls watch the road, watch it and I wave and a blue kisses and they don't even look back. They don't care. Daddy's an embarrassment to them. Look, that's all right. I'm, I'm 40 now. I'm not the man I used to be. Not as cool as I used to be this time last year. I, I understand. But I hope in some way that as they go up trying to make it clear, we don't know your mom with a beard. I don't know who that is. And as they try not to be embarrassed in front of their mates, I, I hope that somewhere in them there's that comfort that knows Daddy's down there. I might be lying there halfway up the hill trying to get a breath, but daddy's down there. Folks, we need to know this this morning. The temptation, I think, in days like this is to run and to despair and to believe that all is lost and woe is me and everything's awful. But our father knows. Our father has not lost his prime the way I have. Our our Father is not out of touch the way perhaps I am. Our Father knows every single thing that lies in front of us. And as the Lord prays for us, his bride, he says, Father, keep them from the evil one. Keep them from the evil one. What a comfort it is to know that as we are in the world, as we walk through it, as we live in it, as we face the storms that blew in our face as we see the darkness every single day as we worry about our children and our children's children what's the world going to be like for them and we ask that don't we that's a worry and some of you tell me oh when I was a wee lad or a wee girl it, it wasn't like this it wasn't like this you could have walked to Lisbon and back and nobody would annoy you you could have gotten a horse and rode to New York and nobody cared it wasn't like this and we worry as believers we worry that all is lost. And yet Jesus prays, Father, keep them. Keep them. See, in this same passage, the Lord speaks about those who the Father has given to him. He speaks about how they belong to the Father, but he has given them unto the Son. Jesus here speaks about his own precious possession, the church of Jesus Christ. And if that is who we are, if that is our identity, then of whom shall we be afraid? If this is who we are and if our great high priest Jesus has prayed for us and today he makes intercession for us, then why would we shrink back in the face of darkness? If this is who we are, and surely no matter what the days ahead will bring to our doorstep, surely no matter what the world brings to hurt us or damage us, surely no matter whatever schemes of the evil one are worked out, if this is who we are, if we belong to Jesus, then who is ever going to pull us from his hand? I read a man writing in a newsletter the other day, and, and he said what has surprised him about the speed of the past couple of days is the speed by which Boris Johnson changed his mind. The speed by which our Prime Minister said this and then went over this way and did something else. But that's politicians, isn't it? 
that's what they do, and, and that is replicated throughout society. Somebody can tell you one thing on a Monday, and it's different on a Friday. But when we come to Jesus, our great high priest is in the business of truth, not in the business of telling lies, and not in the business of breaking promises, and not in the business of promising you one night in church, that night you were saved, and then letting you slip through his fingers years later. That is not how our great high priest does his work. Jesus says, Lord, keep them from the evil one. These are my people. None will be lost. Keep them from the evil one as they are in this world. We are to be kept for sin, from sin, kept from the evil one. This is Christ's purpose for us. But we're not left weak and heavy laden. Jesus here prays for our sanctification, our growth in grace. This is the purpose of of God's grace in our lives, that we would be kept from the evil one and that we would grow in Christ's likeness every single day. Jesus tells us in verse 16 here, they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. There's a radical change that's taken place here in the Christian's life. The Christian no longer is, is run and, and operated by the world and the standards of this world. Instead, according to verse 17, Jesus prays, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Here is our purpose. Here is the Lord's prayer for us. That we would be sanctified every single day, strengthened for our duty every single day by the unchangeable, powerful, wonderful word of God. And I know at times we, we don't think in that way. Sure we don't. We come to church on a Sunday morning. I would imagine as you're driving here or walking here or coming here on horseback or buggy and cart, however you get here, I'm sure on your way around you're thinking of enough polo mints. Who's on this morning? John Brogan? Yeah, we'll be out about two minutes past 12. Scott? Ah, well, I'm glad I didn't put the turkey on. You know, we think those things. But my brothers and sisters, do you know how privileged you are to come here week after week? To sit under the word of God, to hear it read, to hear it read in your own language, to hear God's word sung as we just have, to, to hear it calling you to worship. And every day Jesus says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Every sermon that is preached is for the benefit of the church of Jesus Christ. Every time the word is opened and we study it, it's for the benefit of the church of Jesus Christ. Every single day that we rejoice in the word of God, it is for the benefit of the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And friends, that is where we need to be in these days. In these days of uncertainty and, and who can you trust? Here is who we can trust. The word of God is what we can trust. In these days of, of worry, where will we look? Well, here is where we can look, the Word of God. And as we think about God's unmerited favor to us, you and me, who deserve His wrath, as we think about His grace, well, every single day is grace and blessing from God, and He gives us His Word to grow us up and to help us to stand in these dark days, to face whatever comes, and to be sanctified, to be made more like Christ every single day. And my brothers and sisters, this changes your view, I hope, on the Word of God. This makes us realize that, that this is a precious book 
And certainly in this hour we need to be in it much more. Certainly we need to read it for ourselves and for our families. We need to pray it and we need to sing it. We need to be knee deep in the word. Because this is the means by which we are strengthened for our duty in this day and age and sanctified and grown up to made more like Christ. And you see, in a very wonderful way, we are already sanctified. Paul says this in Romans chapter 6. Do we who died to sin still live? We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus, says Paul. And he repeats a a similar thing in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 11. You were washed, he says. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. We have been sanctified. Something definitive and wonderful has happened as we have come and received Christ as he has offered in the gospel. But there's a work that goes on every single day as we are continually sanctified. But even that gives us confidence because Paul writes this in Philippians chapter 1. I am sure of this, he says, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. This is who we are. We have received Christ by faith. We have been made righteous. And now that we are righteous, we, we walk in the ways of Christ. We follow Christ. We pick up our cross every day. And come after Jesus. This is how we are to live. This is our purpose. And as we make that walk, Christ prays, sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. Brothers and sisters, we have not been set free. We have not been cut free. We have not been pushed out into the world by a God who who now turns his back and lets us get on with it. That is not the relationship. He is our heavenly father. He is for us. We have a great high priest over the house of God. We have not been left alone. We can face tomorrow. We can face today. We need not shrink. We need not be afraid. Christ is for us. This is the purpose of grace in our lives. But Jesus prays. And he says as well in verse 24, as we shared with the wee ones, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Here is how Jesus prays. That we would be kept from sin. That we would be strengthened and sanctified for our duty, for our Christian life here on earth. But Ultimately, that we would be with him, that we would be kept safe, that we would be watched over, that one day we would close our eyes and wake up in the better place. That's Christ's purpose for us. That's the purpose of grace as it works itself out. We are a people for for his own possession. We are his precious bride. And one day, my brothers and sisters, we get to go home. We get to go home. And isn't that something that we need to reflect on in this day and age when we hear the debates about borders and little patches of land and all the rest of it? Where is our home, Eden Grove? Certainly it's not Ulster. I know we like to think that. 
We know we like to believe that, but that's not where we're going to be forever. This is not where we put down our roots. This land has had enough blood shed on it, and I suspect not one drop of it, not one drop of it has been worth it. A patch of land that men and women are prepared to die over because they are passionate about Ireland or passionate about God and Ulster. This cannot last. This cannot last. Remind yourself of that when you throw your slippers at the TV when Boris Johnson comes on. Remind yourself of that when you're angry at how the DUP have handled everything. Remind yourself of that when Martina Anderson's on and you throw the TV out the window then. Remind yourself of that. This cannot last. There is nowhere I think I love more in this world than Ulster. I've been to a few places. Been to Carried Off and Drummond and all sorts of different places. None of them compare to this land of ours. None of them compare to home. I love going home. I love going to the east. I love seeing my family. But it doesn't compare to my hope in Christ. I love going up north. I, I love going up to Portrush and pretending I'm all posh and all up there. But it doesn't compare to Christ. This cannot last. And if we understand that and if we believe that, then it changes our perspective on life. Suddenly the time that we have here is more precious. Suddenly we realize what the purpose of it is, not to, to put down roots and to build kingdoms and empires for ourselves, but knowing that this cannot last, we live to make sure that we do not go to heaven on our own. Jesus prays for us in a prayer that I have skimmed over and we could take months in, but Jesus prays for us that we would be kept from the evil one, that we would be strengthened for duty, and that one day we would see his glory in heaven. And that is our hope as Christians. No matter what, that is our hope as Christians. No matter what is brought to bear in the days to come, doesn't change the high priestly prayer of Christ for his bride, the church. See, folks, I long for that day. And I know you do as well. I long for the day that, that we see Jesus. And in those days, the political debates will be over. The blights that trouble this world will be gone. In those days, we no longer have to consider loss or death. In those days, there will be no more awkward phone calls with the doctor who tells us news that we do not want to hear. In those days, we will not weep over little ones who have been torn from their mother's womb. In those days, we will be with Jesus. And we will see his glory. That is the purpose of grace in our lives. Grace doesn't cut us free. Grace doesn't leave us to it. Grace doesn't say, well, we'll see how you get on, and maybe you might get to heaven. The grace of God strengthens us to stand in this harlot world. And the grace of God will see us home, sanctified and washed clean in the Lamb's precious blood. Christian, here is the purpose of your life. 
May you drink it in today and may you rejoice and be glad in it. But as always, I challenge those of you who are not in Christ, who have listened to me and thought the words about Ulster sound a wee bit harsh. The words about carried off maybe sound a bit harsh because after all, that's where you're going to live. And you get your job and your dreams come true and your family and your big house and your car. Friends, please hear me today on this. I know you might think I'm a stuck record, but I promise you there's nothing that compares to Jesus. I know today you might think that I've got it wrong, but I assure you nothing compares to Jesus. And I tell you today as I look you in your wee faces that this prayer is for the bride, the church of Jesus Christ, of which you are not yet a part. And so friends, let's stop with the nonsense. Let's stop pretending that this is more wonderful than anything else. And instead I urge you to run to Christ. To repent of your sin and to put your faith in Jesus and for the first time to know a life that has an eternal purpose. An eternal significance. And a great high priest who prays for you. Father, keep them Strengthen them, says Jesus, so that they will see my glory. Amen. And may it be so for everyone here today.